0: Welcome to A Lunch With Biggie, a podcast about small business and creatives sharing their stories and inspiring you. Today, my guest is a purveyor of vintage who specializes in collectibles, decor, and clothing. When he's not kicking it old school, he's hosting and creating events for his own business as well as others. Please welcome the owner of Grant's Vintage Shop, Grant Tharp. What's going on, man?
1: Ah, not much, just uh, another Friday afternoon.
0: Yeah, that's how it is. I appreciate you having lunch with me. Uh, before we start, what's your favorite go-to sandwich?
1: Favorite go-to sandwich has to be a Cuban, and it's got to be from Black Bean Deli or Zazas. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: Have you tried? Have you tried the one yet in in College Park yet?
1: Uh, no, I really don't make it over to College Park that often because I live in Conway. So
0: I don't either, but I will tell you, having tried both the Black Bean and the Zazas make it, make a trip to, and treat yourself to one of those. It is, um, that thing is packed. (laughs) It is a freaking packed Cuban sandwich. Like it is, I've never seen so much pork on a, on a Cuban before. when it comes to that, it's, it's legit. So it's very, very good. Um, okay. So let's, let's talk about, let's talk about your business. Let's talk about vintage one. What made you get into it?
1: What made me get into it? Uh, Honestly, there's a lot of answers to that question. Uh, I'll just start. So uh, I used to go to garage sales all the time with my grandmother. She lived down in Winter Haven. And then uh, every time I'd visit and stuff like that, I'd ask her to go to garage sales because my parents were always so busy. They never got to take me. So as a kid, I always had that love of the treasure hunt and stuff like that. Fast forward a few years, I moved into a, a new house. And it was moving in from, you know, an 800-foot apartment downtown in one of the high-rises into a 1,600-square-foot house. Well, we need to furnish it. So what do you do? You go to thrift stores, you look on Craigslist, you go to estate sales and stuff like that. I started doing that. And one thing just led to another. I started picking up the old console radios, like the big ones that have the record player. And it's more of a piece of furniture than it is a stereo. And started tinkering with them, fixing them up. Had a really nice one. Had a friend come over. He said he wanted one. I sold him that one right there, and then it just kind of snowballed into doing more and more. Because I've always sold on eBay and stuff like that, but I've been full time doing this now for a little bit over five years.
0: That's awesome, man. That's that's definitely uh, that's in- insane. What do you think? What do you think is the fascination of vintage? Because it's like I'm amazed by how many people. We're are either into it, looking, shopping, buying it. Um, what did? What do you think is the fascination of it?
1: I hate to say this. Vanilla Ice said it best. You know, everyone's super into the '90s right now because that's the last era of pop culture. That's before social media. That's before instant access with cell phones. It's before that. So I honestly feel like everyone's in a vintage now because of that. That's iconic pop culture. There wasn't access to all of it. There's limited quantities and stuff of it available, so there's always gonna be that. And then on top of it, too, there's a whole, this whole new generation, you know, Generation X, Millennials, Generation Z, everyone's moving into that repurpose, recycle, and reuse, and vintage is top of the list right there. So why why would you wanna do fast fashion and, you know, spend 60 bucks or something at Zara when you could easily go to Goodwill, find a similar item, and pay anywhere from two to $10 for it.
0: Yeah, it makes total sense, makes total sense. What, um so then, so let's talk about, so obviously your love kind of led into Grant's Vintage Shop, and you started going and doing, like how do you get, how are you gaining or getting product? I mean, you're, you're I know you do estate sales, um, I know you go and you obviously are doing garage, you're going garage sale hunting, uh, you know, constantly going. I'm totally amazed by the fact, by the way, that Fridays are a big garage uh, garage sale day. <laughs> um, you're like the third person that's told me this. And I'm like, I'm like, really? I'm like, I thought it was a weekend thing. So tell me a little bit about that, like how you've kind of, where you, um, because I think, You've done a really good job at what you're collecting. I feel like you have kind of like a not a niche, but tell tell people a little bit about like what you look for for Grant's Vintage. Like if someone were to go to Grant's Vintage shop on eBay or come see you at one at an event, tell me where what do they kind of see? What 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 did you develop or as like as things that you're looking for?
1: Well, it's, you know, all right, well, it's like a two-part question. Yeah. So, I'll answer the first part. You know, it's you go everywhere. It's a non-stop thing. You know, you'll have estate sales, garage sales, thrift stores, those are like the main, and flea markets, those are like the main four that everyone knows. But there's a lot more avenues to get stuff. You have local auction houses, you have store liquidation sales, like when Toys R Us closed, and they were liquidating all their signs and stuff like that, that's something that I'm into, so I will go buy the store displays and stuff like that. And then we get a lot of phone calls from, cause I deal with a lot of probate lawyers and realtors, and we get a lot of house cleanouts, or people that are moving and they don't necessarily want to have an estate sale. They just want someone to come and buy it all, or they just need the house emptied so that they can sell it or flip it. So there's multiple avenues. It's a constant grind. So, you know, there are a lot of people that do this now, and you'll, you, they understand some of it, but sometimes they don't. It's not like you're going to go to Goodwill every single time and you're going to walk out with a bunch of good stuff. You're going to hit, A goodwill and get nothing, and then another one, and then another one, and then another one, and then that fifth one, maybe you might find something cool. So that's what you just have to think about, and you have to be up early, go to bed late. That's the hardest thing about this. And then what I'm looking for specifically, like my curated vision for everything, is just honestly stuff that I'm into. You know, I've worked with. uh, Will's Pub, I provide a lot of beer signs, vintage beer signs and stuff like that because that's something that I love. I do a lot of the vintage clothing and stuff because I like fashion and style. I mean, I have handmade shirts made from bed sheets and stuff for me personally. That's I, awesome. I like sneakers. I always have, so always like finding those. And then, you know, toys, collectibles, stuff like that. It's just always stuff that I'm really into, like comic books, superheroes, um, music, just sports teams, all of that. I'm a child of the nineties and I just love all of that. So just the chance to bring someone back and give them that nostalgia factor is honestly what I'm trying to sell more than anything. Cause it's awesome to see someone pick up an item and then you see that like light in their eye or they have that story or they have, you know, reminds them of you know something you know my grandfather got me this as a kid and you know he's no longer here with me but this is awesome and then it's like now they have that item now they have that refreshed memory in their head and everything else like that
0: no I think that's it's really it's true totally true I I actually looked I remember I saw on your Instagram um, during you know football season was starting it was the Cowboys game was on and you literally, I was like, holy moly. I'm like, where, where did he get all these? He just, you were literally just flipping through all the different uh, cowboy, old cowboy jerseys you had um, that were available, that were going to be on available on your eBay. Uh, um,
1: everyone got that confused. I'm a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. Those are all my jerseys. I got so many messages. I was about gonna that. hey
0: man, as soon as I because when I see things like that and it's you on your Instagram and it's not your personal one, I'm I'm like that's for sale. I'm like I'm like damn. I'm like I'm like dude. I'm like he's got it. I mean, you look at all the jerseys he's got. Yeah, I was like, where'd he get that? Like all those from? I'm well, like that's insane.
1: I have plenty of jerseys, but for yesterday, you know, since we live in Florida, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, so I had to put that out there. It's like you know. Tampa Bay is cool and all, but, you know, I have an original Aikman jersey from, you know, 92, yeah. two Emmett Smith jerseys from the 90s and stuff like that. It's just fu- funny, but, but you're not the only yeah, one. Yeah, I definitely was that. not. I
0: definitely was not. That's a good thing about it. Um, so is that kind of how, I mean, I guess the other part I'm trying to think is, obviously you, like you mentioned, you have, I'm assuming originally you started with a lot of your inventory and stuff like that in your house do you, and I but I also know that you you basically have had to shift as as you obviously keep growing um and doing events and doing and and doing all these things you're also I'm assuming you're also going to storage you're also putting things in storage units and stuff like that or is everything kind of you try to curate everything in your house cuz obviously you're trying to hopefully flip and, and, and move a lot of that co- that oh, yeah. stuff
1: everybody wants the quick flip and there are a lot of items that you know in one, in one day out the same day that I get. You know, I can post something on Instagram, it catches someone's eye, you get a message and then boom, it's gone. But then there are a lot of long tail items that I'll hold on to for a while. They might hit a few markets first and then they'll they'll be online, they'll go out to markets and then they'll sell finally after six months. So with that, when I first started this, I used a small um, small bedroom, an eight by eight foot bedroom that had all their stuff. And then that kind of got overwhelming because it was still a guest bedroom and then moved it. To a 5x10 storage unit outgrew that went to a 10x10 storage unit outgrew that and then went to a 10x30 storage unit wow and then this uh, past october uh, 2020 i bought a new house in conway and i was specifically looking for houses with uh, large garages so luckily this house that i got ended up having a 1300 square foot garage so that's where everything moved to and everything like that and i I try to keep everything as uh, climate controlled as possible, but it is Florida. It is a garage. So some stuff, like you said, some stuff does make it inside the house and becomes part of my decor until it sells basically.
0: Okay. No, that's, that's it. It's I love, I absolutely love it. The other thing that I find very interesting is that, um, based on your research, you do quite a bit of like research on what the product is, especially since we live in central Florida, especially if it's like something Disney related, um, or theme park related, you basically kind of do quite a bit of research. Is that stuff that you just kind of started doing research on, or you've been able, or it was provided to you, or is that something that you just kind of, you know, being someone who j- you're into some of these things. So you obviously have knowledge of what they are.
1: I'm into a lot of the stuff that I sell. So I have a good baseline knowledge, though, too, and, you know, and then my, uh, my undergraduate degree is a humanities degree, so I'll always have a love for history and stuff like that, and then, you know, it's just part of the job. You have to, in order to find the piece and everything else and put a correct value on it, you need to do the research and do the homework and stuff like that, because, you know, um, a few years ago, two years ago, I had that Kennedy Space Center escape suit. It looks like an actual space suit, but it's called escape suit because it's a pressurized suit that they use to work on satellites and stuff like that. And that took actually an astronomical amount of research because you don't know what it is. You know what it looks like. And then you have to go through, find photos of where it was used, what era and everything like that. So that took about, I want to say a solid month of research to figure out what that thing was. And then as soon as I knew what it was, I made the post on Instagram, and then it sold within I think three hours of having it.
0: Great. How do you? So this is a that's a perfect example where my next thing is how the heck do you go for something like that, and then come back and say mm, this is the number that you you think about. You know what I mean? Like how do you price something like that? I mean, how do you like do you? I mean, obviously there's got to be things that you. You know, there's obviously like that is like a very unique thing. So therefore, there's a more of a, a price premium for it. But how do you even like get to a point where you're like, okay, I think pricing should be. And obviously, you've been doing this for a while, so that's why I'm asking. Yeah. Where do you kind? Of, how do you kind of figure out like, oh, pricing? This is a good number. I think people would kind of. This is a good number. It's a little bit more, but this is where people are at. Like, how do you? Where do you come up with the
1: pricing? So with that, there are like, all right. So, sorry, most items. We, uh, most items have already sold, and there's a good listing on eBay, Etsy, Google itself. We'll show you like a good price gauge, you know, of what the item is worth. So you can be based on that. But an item like that, the, you have to kind of like, all right, well, I need to look at auction houses. So you go to auction houses and you go through their websites and their catalogs and all of that and you look same thing for disney stuff because i've had a lot of disney stuff that is specifically theme park only stuff or from an imagineer and stuff like that that is super rare that doesn't exist the so you have to do that research you can't find it there well let's look at condition so the scape suit itself it's a rubberized suit it's from the apollo era you know in the 60s a lot of it has kind of deteriorated we live in florida and stuff like that so you have to kind of count that into what the value of the item holds how much do you think it'll cost to restore it back to museum quality because that's definitely a museum piece and then you have to just go from there and just kind of name your price and just if it doesn't sell you can lower your price but you can never raise your price so something like that it's always key to make sure you know price it where you want to be at and price high because you can always come down you can never go back up So
0: that's awesome, dude. And so I'm truly amazed because that's one of the things that obviously I met you because of doing going to events and you selling out events. But one of the things that I admire about you is that you also created you also created opportunities and actually created two events. So you have the TPD Thursday and the 407 Flea. Tell me a little bit about that, how that came about, because um, like how you found a location and and kind of like how that kind of came about for you to be able to create an event like that.
1: So that all came about because I've worked with uh, the Abbey before. Remember, I had the vintage market at the Abbey, and it was all inside. And that was, you know, pre-COVID, a few years ago, it kind of like fizzled out because we were doing it during the summer. And then in the winter, all the outdoor markets were better. And then we would do it during the summer to allow vendors and, you know, makers in Orlando to come and showcase their products. Because in the summer, it rains all the time in Florida, unfortunately. So we were doing that uh, Thornton park district. I, I work with, the, the director there, her name's Lisa. She works closely with the Abbey and stuff like that. And then they had closed off the circle, which is located at four, three, one East central Boulevard mm-hmm. in downtown Orlando off Lake Eola. So during peak COVID when, you know, restaurants and everything were allowed to be open and then it became the city allowed for, you know, open container law kind of, they were able to get the city to close that section. It's, it's the, it's, it's, we call it the TPD circle or the circle. And then they allowed for World of Beer to have a satellite bar there, the abbey, as well as a Kukou, Tiki bar. So they all three of them had like a satellite bar out there. and then they would, you know, during the weekdays and stuff, have patio furniture, We have picnic tables now, all set up. So I got approached by the abbey and Lisa to host a market because I had already done one at the Abbey and you know I had good experience with that and everybody liked what I did and I'd already previously worked with Todd who owns the Aku and Stardust Lounge downtown and now the 808 in Thornton Park and I also know AD the general manager for World of Beer so I kind of got approached we sat down hashed everything out and then we're coming on about a year. October 14th will be one year that we've had the TPD Thursdays event, which is a weekly Thursday night market uh, showcasing local handmade artisans and and vintage. Every Thursday night, it's like a farmer's market, but it's for grown-ups. It's, you know, there's no face painting or cotton candy. There's a ra- mobile ramen bar and Totally Coffee, which is a 90s-themed coffee place. And then you have me and my buddy Greg. We have... All these records and vintage clothing, and then you have Stephen from Coastline Soap, who does like these really high-end soaps, yeah. and they're beautiful. Just the way that he does it, and his whole setup is like that. It's beautiful. You have Powell and you have all these vendors that, you know, they could do a farmers market, but showcasing them on a Thursday night with Thornton Park because Thornton Park is called downtown for grown-ups, and this just allows. It's just a beautiful like thing, and then from that Thursday night, it's like, well, maybe we should do an all vintage market because I'm the vintage guy, my buddy Greg. And I know a lot of the people here in town that do that. And, you know, there are markets geared towards that, like the Florida Vintage Market that happens at Ace Cafe. I know um, Bratz Beard has done it a few times. Kelly, that's your good buddy. Um, But for me, that was more, every time I went there, it was like t-shirts. It was t-shirts and clothing and textile only so me, I'm like true. I, I call myself true vintage because I like vintage everything, yeah. from glassware to posters to video games to decor, all of that. So that's I talked to Thornton Park again, got it approved by the city and everything else, and we've been running strong. I forgot. I think this is going to be our sixth one coming up uh, next Saturday.
0: You guys do it. It's the what is the third Saturday of the month?
1: Third Saturday every month, and we again. That's another thing too is that we gear it uh, you know for you know grown-ups we are family and pet friendly all our events always are but you know we we kind of curate that F- that event runs from 4 to 10 p.m like we want to catch that dinner crowd like come out we have three we have two to three food vendors there so this one's coming up is john south indians kitchen and it it's the pizza slut kaylee yep. i don't know if you've had her pizza yet it's good so and you know they they're great and phenomenal and this is something that's not offered downtown really what they do and then you know we have like uh dylan with chilling tacos out there which is awesome ice cream oh, tacos yeah. and then our and then we'll even have uh even you know vegetarian options vegan options with little lulu she does a italian uh, italian ice which is all fruit it's all fruit she doesn't really use any sugar it's all natural and stuff like that and of course we still have the mobile bars and everything else and It's great. Both events kind of showcase about 20 plus vendors each time because we are limited to the space that we have. So each one, each market is curated. So that's the main thing too. Like everyone can apply and stuff like that, but it is curated. We try to keep, you know, there's one soap vendor, you know, there's maybe two or three jewelry people, but they're different styles or different things like that. And try and keep it to where if you show up, you're not going to see, you know, four candle people, six soap people. There's nothing worse
0: than that because then you're competing with all those. So, yeah, that's a.
1: Uh, yeah, there's no overlap. Correct. And
0: how do you. And I, and I thought about this because obviously you have a lot of you have a lot of stuff of your own. So how do you <laughs> how do you go and manage manage the aspect of setting up, you know, running an event or hosting an event? And at the same time, setting up your own stuff, because I'm assuming you're also selling, because it's also an opportunity for you to be able to sell. So then it's like, how do you hack? Because I think about it, at least for me, when I'm setting up, I'm like, I don't have time to be able to do anything else. <laughs> so like, how the heck are you setting up you, all your stuff? And at the same time, telling everyone where to go and do everything? Are you like showing up way earlier? Like, how how are you doing all that?
1: Well, I do show up early. I always show up early. <laughs> but that's just me in general. You can ask Courtney. Courtney hates me because I would come for Sanford Indy even when i wasn't doing an event i would come like an hour early and she's like what are you doing here i haven't even drawn the spots yet and i'm like i'm here i'm you know i'm gonna just get ready and i'll hang out because i sell to a lot of vendors too like in the mornings yeah. Because of what I have, like people, people will finish this. I've setup. come,
0: I've come numerous times and seen you and walked in and go, "What do you got?" And I'm looking around before I start either setting up or before, because you're right. When we get to the point of selling, there's no, there is no time to buy from your other vendors.
1: No, exactly. So that's why I always like being early. But yeah, for my own markets, I'm definitely early. There was when we first started, I wasn't selling per se. Now I am. Uh, it's just, you know, practice. A lot of the vendors that we use are the same people and they kind of know the setup and stuff like that. And then the other portion of it is too, is I have my good friend and he's my business partner for the most part, cause we do a lot of deals together and stuff like that. He helps me with the house clean and so when we run estate sales, his name's Greg Loader. Uh, his Instagram's uh, Greg's cool vintage, even though he doesn't use social media at all, but <laughs> he, okay. uh, he, um, he, uh, sets up, we set up right next to each other. So I'll help everyone kind of set up, and then I'll take a break, start doing my own setup, and then, you know, during the market, I'll walk around, but he'll be right there. He knows the prices of everything, or if there's a question, he can call me, and, you know, we're so close, you know, he can take a credit card payment or Venmo or cash app for me. And then he'll either just send me the money at the end of the night or pay me in cash, whatever he took, you know, kind of thing. So it helps. It always benefits when you can have like someone that you truly rely on like that to be there for you and do that stuff.
0: Yeah. And at least to have someone be able to actually talk about your product or at least know about it and stuff like that. I think yeah. that's very, very, very accurate on that. What, um, that, so that also kind of asks, I'm kind of curious because you mentioned when you do like, especially the 407 one where there's like a lot more vintage um, stuff. How do you, how, do you feel that because when you do those events, some of your vendors went, since you're curating, it, they basically kind of. Realize, I mean, because you're dealing with everyone, you you know, I don't know, like a niche, like where you're kind of a little bit different. Like, I'm assuming you have like some that do more records, some maybe do more clothing or collectibles or things like that. Or do you think that it's, you know, kind of like everyone just kind of come? I mean, I just feel like sometimes when you go to certain events like that where there's so much vintage like where I mean does it matter cuz you're doing all vintage like if all if you're like hey it's okay if you're doing vintage clothing cuz I do like in your case you do you do everything you do a yeah. little bit of so in your case you're like I don't care bring whatever you want cuz I got my own stuff that I that I like and I'm bringing you a little bit of everything
1: so the thing with that is is style Everybody has like you talk what we talked about before. Like I have my own identity. Yeah. Every vintage seller has their own identity. They have their own setup and stuff like that. Like uh, there's a few different people like uh, that I can even like describe. You know, like uh, the Seashell Michelle Michelle shop. She's great. She has strictly mostly women's clothing and stuff, but she has that boho West Coast kind of vibe. Yeah. And then you have. Dead Lady's Closet, Heather, she does all like that glitzy, glamour, like 80s, 70s stuff, like big sequence stuff and the big brooches, costume jewelry. You have Greg who does the records. I do kind of the toys and collectibles. Everyone just kind of has their own style and it just kind of it intermingles. So there are people that kind of get overwhelmed by that. But then at the same time, there are a lot of people that are in this community that like shoppers and stuff like that that love that because they can come and it's like, all right, well, there's 20 different vendors here. I'm bound to find something at one of these booths or, you know, I'll get something from him and I'll, then I'll go here and then I'll go there. So it just allows for like a wide array of different stuff to be found and stuff like that. So there, it has its benefit for being in the same category but everyone having their own type of style and what they sell and stuff like that.
0: No, I, I think that's awesome. That And that's why I've always been curious. Cause like when I see it, I'm like, it does become a little overwhelming, but then when you put it like that, it makes total sense on, on how everyone's got like their own flavor and taste to it. Mm-hmm. So you run, obviously you run a successful business. Um, you see many and work with many businesses that run successful, you know, through events and stuff. What do you think makes a business succeed um, and those that can't, and then at the same time, what do you think is affecting some of those businesses that don't get to that next level?
1: I mean, you called me successful, which I appreciate. Thank You're welcome. You. But you know, I don't see myself as success. I am you know I am successful, but you know I never see myself as successful. I'm always on that hunt. I'm always on that chase. I'm always going to try and do better, figure something else out, rework something, or I'm always working towards a new goal. And I honestly think that's what separates a lot of people is, you know, I've gotten here. I'm going to take a little breather and relax. No, you can't do that. I've gotten here. It's like we got a house clean out three years ago just by pure luck. Once we got that, it's like now that we got that, we need to get more of those. And then we just hustled and grind. And now we have more of them. And it's like, all right, now we need to start running our own estate sales. All right, well, let's figure out how we need to do that and keep going and doing all that. It's the same thing. You just need to stay focused. You pass that goal that you set for yourself, make a new goal and do all that. And the key is not to have these big goals or aspirations. Don't try and be like, I'm going to start my business, and if I'm not by 10,000 followers on Instagram within a certain time limit, that's not going to happen. That just doesn't happen like that. I've been on Instagram for five years. I have 2,000 followers. But the thing is, though, is my statistics are like interaction rates are super high because the following that I've built is super interested in what I'm doing. Never base what you do on social media. Never base what you do on what others say about you or anything like that. Stay focused on your goals, what you want, and what your aspirations are, and make sure the goals are attainable and not super high or anything like that. See,
0: I don't know if, and I'm going to, and I totally understand where you're coming from in the sense of not seeing yourself, but... you basically said why you're successful. Basically, you just you just gave the recipe of why you're successful. And it's because you basically are willing and able to keep moving on. And then also at the same time, pivoting and making the proper changes and at the same time, constantly increasing and going, which is one of the reasons I think it's awesome. Like I love seeing, like that was one of the things that I've I've admired about seeing is what you've done is that you keep, you're always obviously, like you said, you're always in the hunt, but that's something obviously that's because you're hungry to find, you know, as part of your business, you're, you're hungry to find that, 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 uh, that item. And then at the same time to kind of keep growing in what it is. And, and that's the thing that's really awesome is the fact that you basically have gone the route of, not just one, um, you know, one one outlet. You're basically like, I mean, it sounds. Ex- I'm, I'm exhausted listening to like how there's five <laughs> different like like you can you can be like I can go to five different Goodwills, but I can also go to a state and find and like I mean that's a lot. I mean you got to have a hustle in order to do that because you're right. I mean you and then not to mention the quantity. So I totally, I totally get that. Um, which obviously then kind of leads into why do you think? Um, or I guess, what advice would you give someone who's wanting to start their own thing? Because obviously you gave, I think, and I think a lot of it, you answered already, but is there anything else that you think, um, like if you were starting out or someone else was starting out, what advice would you give them to if they wanted to start something on their own?
1: Don't be afraid of failure. I fail all the time. Fail up. You know, there's times when I was doing this, when I first started, it's like, I don't know if I can do it because... It's either I spend $100 out of the estate sale or I spend, you know, that $100 on, you know, sometimes like food and stuff. It's like, well, but I know that on that $100, I'll be able to make, you know, three, four hundred bucks off of. So, you know, there are failures. There are you know times where it's tough in any small business or side hustle or anything like that. And if you're truly focused and dedicated on it, you, it'll it'll come to you. I mean, don't quit your day job right away. Make sure you have a good savings and stuff like that. But there are, that's the biggest thing is don't be afraid to fail. And the second thing is honestly don't care what people say because there's a lot of talkers out there. There's not a lot of doers. Make sure you're a doer.
0: (laughs) There's, there's quite a bit. There's quite a bit of people that, that do quite a bit of talking.
1: Yeah. Because I mean, that's something too. It's like, uh, are you still doing your uh, full time day job? Yeah. Or? Yeah. See, but you still have Deli Fresh Threads. It's a side hustle, which, you know, or which is, I mean, that's probably a little bit more than just a normal side hustle, but, you know, there's a lot of people that could easily do that. You can still, especially with what I do, you could still work at your, you know, your minimum wage job or wherever you are. You can still do that. And then garage sales and estate sales happen on Saturdays. If you have Saturday off, go to them work saturday don't go out watching college football you can sit at home turn the ucf game on sit there and list right in front of your tv on ebay and you get the whole experience plus you're making that little bit of extra money and stuff like that that's one of the biggest takeaways honestly because that's me myself i used to do that all the time used to go out partying and stuff friday saturday sunday three-day benders and then the older I got, the harder it got first off. And then <laughs> secondly, you know, I realized that there's more, I gain more for my business and myself if I use the work weekends to work and put in the work and then, you know, I'll have that one, you know, nice Saturday off and, you know, I always take time for myself, but you just got to keep working, I guess. I
0: don't know. No makes sense. What, um, I notice so. You, I know you sell on eBay. I know that's like your main. That's like your main website, correct?
1: Yeah, eBay is the main.
0: That's where you. And then, so how long have you been on eBay now? And I know I saw your rating. It's like it's like it's like ninety nine like something percent. It's like pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, it was a hundred, but this guy. <laughs> that's a funny story. Um, it, I have. I got one negative review recently because this guy. It was an old school like TV antenna that goes on your roof to get a signal. It's brand new in the box. The springs were broken on the inside because the thing is from the 1960s. That's It's 60 years old. So eBay kind of said, I'm not upset about it, but I'll be back at 100% here in a few months. I'm not worried about it. But eBay is the main thing. This specific account has been open since 2018. I do have my own personal account that's been up and running since 2008. So I have two different eBay accounts. The business account is the one that I sell everything on. And then the other one is just personal use only. Personal use. Which I have sold on previously, but it's more for personal use than it is for the business. I got it.
0: What's the craziest, I guess, What's the, my? I was talking to my wife and I was asking because I always like to ask my wife like a question of like, hey, what would you like to know about this guest? And just uh, she, and the first thing out of her mouth is she's like, what's the craziest thing he's ever picked up at an estate sale?
1: <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> craziest thing I've ever picked up at an estate sale,
0: or something that you've been like, holy cow, they have this in their house, like
1: uh, well, the the, the Apollo era escape suit. Definitely the craziest thing. It popped up on Facebook Marketplace. I mess it. He had just put it up. I messaged the guy immediately. He lived out in Lakeland. I got in the car at rush hour from downtown Orlando, braved I4 to get to him. And that's honestly one of the craziest things. Uh I mean, but there's all sorts of interesting items I've come across too. I had I had an original grand opening Fort Wilderness poster recently. Which is super awesome. Uh, I had a for Disney stuff, original pre production. So, pre production of uh, Walt Disney World Resort. So, this is a map that got mailed out to potential people that were going to buy into Disney World and into the project. Oh, wow. So, it's this whole mid century, like futuristic looking map of what the outlay will be. Like, I had the Polynesian. Um, the contemporary Magic Kingdom and all of that already kind of laid out around, um, I always forget the name of the lake out there, but it had all of that right there. Super rare because it was just mailed out. People just thought it was trash. They just threw it away. That's one of the craziest things. Uh, I was at a a garage sale one time and uh, the lady did uh, production work and art development for Disney, her and her husband. So I actually got all the paint schemes and all the paint workshop stuff for animal kingdom when it opened up. So it shows you what the signs are throughout the park, which are still there, what the exact color number is, what it looks like, how it's supposed to look, how do you age it to make it, give it that age and all that stuff. And, you know, and then there's other weird stuff too, like stuff that I like that I really like. I like true like history stuff. Like uh, we did a house clean out the guy was uh, Native American Cherokee, and uh, he used to live in Oklahoma, and he moved out here. Well, his family had been on the trail of tears and stuff like that, so there's a lot of Native American stuff in the house. But his—it's uh, got to be from his great great grandfather. It's a pre-Civil War Colt 45 black powder revolver. Wow. It's super. It's a gun, but it's doesn't work anymore because it's so old. But Super rare, super interesting. This is the original Cowboy Killer. That's the that's the Clint Eastwood gun you see, yeah. stuff like that. And then you know, I've had a silk shirt with a cotton collar from 1880, manufactured in New York. It survived. Yeah. Can you believe it? It's survived. It's over 100 years old. Shirt still survived. Dude, that
0: those are some insane uh, insane items. It's it's amazing. I could
1: go. There's a laundry yeah. list original uh, whole team signed ball by the 1956 new york yankees world series winners so it's got dimaggio uh yogi berra and i always forget the last guy but it's got all th- all three of them autographed on the ball oh mickey mantle oh and then the other thing too is a game-worn autographed world series cleat for mickey mantle really Mm-hmm. so
0: for some of those things like when do you make that like decision of like, I'm going to keep it for me unless obviously maybe if it was Cowboys or certain teams that you like, <laughs> is that when you start kind of saying like, I mean, I'm, I'm going to keep this for a little bit and then I'll try to sell it maybe later. Or, um, or is that kind of how, how does that work when you start playing that game? Like, cause some of that stuff is like really interesting, really unique. We are like, man, I could really, this is really amazing stuff.
1: So some of the stuff, you know, there is an investment process to it. Like anytime we find gold or silver, we typically keep it. We don't sell it because the price of precious metal is always go- is going up and stuff like that because everybody has a cell phone and everything like that. And But for the most part, from doing this, I really am not a collector anymore unless it's a very oddball item and stuff like that or s- weird things. But for the most part, everything is for sale, kind of. There are specific pieces like the Animal Kingdom stuff like that has to be saved, because that has to go to, you know, a Disney auction, and then stuff like that, but honestly, for me, collecting and stuff, I collect, believe it or not, my kitchen is all um, 1950s themed, so anytime I kind of, because it's the house, my house is originally from 59, and the kitchen is from 59, except for the appliances, so you know, all along the cab, top of the cabinets, that got old like candy bar boxes from Baby Roo, Snickers, Milky Way, and they're all the old cardboard boxes yeah. with the graphics. A lot of the old big boy statues, uh, old uh, jars like Lance Peanuts and planners and stuff like that. And just weird odds, odds and ends, honestly, for the most part. But for everything's for sale. I kind of lose that, I kind of lost that collector's aspect because of, you know, doing this for a living.
0: No, that would make sense. Do you have uh, Do you have any questions for me?
1: Yes, I'm kind of scared. No, I'm very. These are very easy questions, okay. like that. Right? But these are definitely something. No, I'm just because I know you're. They're UCF related because oh. I know you're a UCF. All guy, right, because we're both UCF alums. Yep, I'll take it. So, how do you feel about McKenzie McKinsey Milton's first showing for FSU last week?
0: Oh wow, um, it was emotional. Uh I was kind of, it was kind of, it was one of those where, um, so for people who don't know if they don't watch college football, Mackenzie Milton, he was, uh, he, was our, he was the UCF quarterback when UCF went undefeated and we won like 24 in a row. Um, he also suffered uh, a horrible, horrible leg injury um, against in a rivalry game and um, career ending Supposedly yeah, career pretty much ending. pretty much to the point where they almost were going to have to possibly amputate his leg and he didn't play for over a thousand days, obviously, and uh, no one thought he would be able to ever go on a, on a football field and. Um, basically he graduated from UCF and wanted to continue playing and had an opportunity to transfer to Florida state and went there. And I would say by, he did not look like he was going to play, even though everyone thought he was. And then some, you know, I will say like Disney movie magic, <laughs> the quarterback <laughs> lost his helmet. And next thing I know he's, uh, he's on the field and he leads a drive to, to score and basically they were down by 10 and tied it up and the kicker missed the kick to loot so they lost um it's tough because i, I am very when it comes to Mackenzie milton he's like I-, I guess he's like he be- he has become part of ucf lore and he's like a legend yeah, so it's like he's ohana yeah he's ohana and so in that aspect like it's almost bittersweet because i feel like i'm so like I always used to always say, and I never really ever said it out loud to anyone else, but I'll take an eighty-five percent or seventy percent Mackenzie Milton over a hundred percent someone else, just because of the fact of what he what he brings and what he does. Yeah. Um, so it was amazing to see. Um, obviously, I'm not a Florida State fan, but I will be watching any game that he plays, and we'll, I'll be cheering for him. I'm not gonna lie. I kind of wish he was finishing his career with UCF. Yeah, because that's that's where I want. I want him when he, if God forbid, God, you know, God willing, he goes somehow went pro. Um, I want to see cards and everything that says he went to UCF and that's where he went instead of him saying Florida State uh, when they announced leader like announcing the game. But um, but yeah, it was pretty amazing. Like I got chills when I saw it just because I'm just I'm you know. I'm just sad that it wasn't like at a UCF home game and uh and everyone there to watch it and see that like see that whole you know turnaround type of thing like yeah. going from where it was. I think that's kind of where it is.
1: I do like the broadcasters though on that game though. They did say like there's a whole bunch of UCF fans that just became FSU fans yeah, tonight. Pretty much and there was
0: a lot of UCF fans that actually made the trip to go to Florida State to go to the game. Um, and it's pretty much like I'm amazed because like her his mom. Still like his mom, I think went to our UCF game the night before and then went to the Florida State game. So like they basically know that we're we're connected. we're always going to be connected oh, based yeah. of ohana. so it's it's an amazing uh, amazing story. I'm hoping they make a movie. I'm hoping that FSU does amazing like does great. I'm not saying amazing because I want UCF to do amazing. Uh, but I want him to do great, better than what they've been doing. And hes I want him to be part of the reason for it. And I want it to then become a movie years later where they make a movie about this guy because yeah. this guy is special.
1: Yeah, he is. And that, that's the big thing. Is he I understand why he did because he's not going to – Gabriel's our starting quarterback, so there's no way for him to get play time. Correct. So I understood why he did the move and yeah. everything like that. But it's kind of just interesting to see and everything like that. And I hope the best for him
0: i'm i'm intrigued because of the in the business side of the fact that he actually did and he's smart in that aspect where he went the route because like now because of the whole name image and likeness he was able to go the route of selling he's basically now able to sell on both sides of the fence because he's like he'll do like a black and gold colorway and then he do a garnet and gold colorway mm-hmm. to be able to get that kind of uh, hit both sides because obviously ucf fans are going to support him in either way
1: well that's i mean todd was smart well wow. When Todd did the grand opening for the 808 in yes. Washington, he had Mackenzie Milton yes. do an appearance there yep. because now they're allowed to do that Correct. type of stuff. So it was great. And then uh, I didn't what was my other question for you. Now kind of, I forgot because I kind of got enthralled in that. Oh, um, when's your next event? Because I mm. haven't seen you out doing enough, yeah. any Yeah, I haven't really You're done. it. you do one of mine?
0: I want to do one of yours. If I do it, the hard part is this. You're doing, your event is on a Thursday. Yeah. So the hardest part for me is as much as I want to do it on a Thursday, the Thursday for me is my wife's schedule is she works till like seven o'clock at night. Well, by the time she gets home, it's like Mm seven. So then, and I have to pick up, and I pick up my daughter. So like on Thursday. So then it becomes one of those where it's like how, and I also work. So by the time I finish to try to do it, to be able to balance, it just becomes too hectic, too hectic to pull off um a saturday's probably probably going to be but then say if saturday's more vintage then obviously I'm not vintage so yeah.
1: well i'm coming up we have our holiday schedule and stuff coming out so there'll be Fridays and Saturdays okay. up.
0: so then and i cuz i yeah i definitely think it would be a, i'd be a fun thing to do i i have not done as many events as i wanted to i've kind of well i usually don't tend to do a lot of events during the summer just because I, the last thing I want to deal with is the rain when it comes to clothes and everything like that. And it's, yeah. a, and my stuff is not like easy to put away or kind of hide. So yeah, well
1: you, you wrap every t-shirt <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. if that gets wet. You yeah. Gotta rewrap all yeah. Those and, I, and
0: I'm lucky that the shirt, the wrapper is at least kind of like a wax paper. So uh, it's not so, so bad, yeah. but it's still not waterproof enough. So <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't. So for me, a lot of times in my summertime, I tend to kind of lay, lay low. And then kind of once the fall starts, mm-hmm. I'll start jumping on events it's just been interesting seeing the events that are coming up and then how they're doing some, and then it, trying to look at what's the best way for me to go on how to sell because some places are only doing one, like, you know, you're only allowed to pick one place to go sell at. And then there's other places that, um, you know, I can possibly go to, but I've never been to. And it's like, d- just trying to, ba- trying to figure out the balance. Cause like the biggest thing for me was pre COVID I was doing, I was doing at least two or three events a month. Yeah. Um. So my weekends like consisted of like you know football games and going between if I on a Sunday event and about I go to a football game or I or whatever. But we would do that. Now I'm just trying to figure out where I want to go because I think my next event's going to be is a is a milk mart event. Oh, um. You. Is one of my next ones that's going to happen. So. We'll see. I mean, I definitely. I one thing that I started doing more is wholesale. Trying to trying to do wholesale at some stores, so, um, like to, uh, Mafferty's or something like that. Well, I, I have visited them, but I'm actually going to be at the Neighbors. Oh, I um, you. is going to be one of them, and then I'm looking at a few other stores that I'm kind of communicating with.
1: Jaslin got Jaslyn's doing a wholesale order for the Neighbors too. Outdoor yeah, plants. They're
0: doing they they're. It'll be it, interesting to it's see. It's an interesting store. I'm very intrigued by them. Um, I actually want to talk to to Jacob about it because. They already do freehand, but they also have this concept, and um, I'm amazed to see the stores that do. Because I know you you sell at other stores. You, you actually have don't you have a don't you have some stuff in some stores as well or no?
1: Yeah, I sell at uh, Echoes of Retro. I do consignment there and stuff like that. And then uh, I do deal with a lot of stores. A lot of stores around the area actually buy stuff from me. Yeah. Echoes is one. Uh, Diversion Orlando, which is a vintage clothing store. The Alice Attic, which is right there and. An Audubon Park, an Audubon Park, and then you know stuff like that. So I deal with a lot of those people, and then so it's always interesting to see what the direction and stuff is. I'm excited for the neighbors to be opening up because I think it's a it's a very cool concept, and it's in the right spot. Correct, basically,
0: because it's basically so. What the neighbors is just to, and hopefully we'll talk, we'll get to talk to them in the future about it. But the neighbors is located in the East End Market. East End Market is kind of like a. I would say the best way to describe it is kind of it's kind of a mixture of food hall. It's the idea of it is supposed to originally the concept of is when you're a small business, you want to start kind of running or starting there. Um, You can conceptualize there and use your kitchens and do that. And then while they were doing that, one of the things that opened up was freehand goods, um, which they do a great job. Seth and Jacob do a great job. And then they also were doing a lot of markets. Um, and then I kind of, the way I kind of describe, I guess describing, you can tell me what if you think is like kind of an idea of like the neighbors. Basically it's like all local, local businesses in central Florida. And he's basically kind of housing them all in one place. Um, I'm kind of curious to see what he, what it looks like and what it, what it'll feel like when you start seeing, cause he's also going to provide food and beverage, um, options there to be to do there so you can shop, eat, and drink, yeah. um, which is different than a lot of the others. But there's quite a few stores that obviously provide um, a lot like their own style of what they're, um, you know, kind of Orlando makers and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: it'll be an interesting conceptualization because there are a few stores like, you know, like Yay Tiny Shop, Mafferty Goods, The you Good know, Crowd. The Good Crowd. A lot of those shops are already here, so it'll be interesting to see what can is conceptualized there, but I think it's a great concept for that area to begin with, because there's heavy traffic for East, the um, east, uh, east, East end. end. And then not just that too, it kind of bounces off because like uh, Brittany and Augie over at the Al's they, they started kind of doing that stuff too. I don't know if you, you saw that yeah. where they opened up the second half where high five used to be and uh, put in like little stalls and stuff like that. And of course you already have the lovely that's right there, which is, you know, just a antique mall with different booths and vendors and stuff like that. So it's a great way for everyone to get all small local businesses to get exposure, just like this podcast. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's kind of the idea. I mean, the idea is obviously the more people that know about you, the better. And you know, it's all, it's amazing. The, the community, I will say that, Um, we, Orlando has grown quite a bit in the last few years, creating this community of different vendors and we're all kind of helping each other and supporting each other and just building more opportunities where it's not just, um, I guess the theme parks where you think it's all this and that. It's like, there's a lot of, a really good, I guess, robust area of like diverse, um, small businesses here in central Florida.
1: It's because people like me and you are tired of hearing Orlando called a transient city. Yes, that's I'm exactly. tired of hearing that. <laughs> yep. Orlando doesn't suck. Orlando never sucked. Yep. You suck. Yep. That's the problem. Yeah. You're the problem, yeah. not us.
0: I, I Amen, man. A, <laughs> amen for sure. So tell people where they can find you, how they can support you. Um, tell them about like, you know, so they can find you, on follow you guys on social for like your TPD as well as also for, uh, for 447FLEA. Uh, give all your info.
1: All my, well, you can find me, you can shop me personally at Echoes of Retro. There's a a capsule of men's clothing as well as some furniture and knickknacks there. Wendy and Marvin do an excellent job with that shop. It's located on Virginia Drive. You can always find anything I sell on Instagram at Grants Vintage Shop, and that's linked to my uh, eBay account as well as that also has the links to 407 and TPD, but Instagram is pretty easy, 407 Flea and TPD Thursdays. And that's basically it, I I love it.
0: I love it. Grant, thank you so much. That's our show for today. Thank you so much to Grant Tharp for being on, having lunch with me. Definitely make sure to check him out, like you said, online. Uh, Or if you're in Central Florida, make sure you definitely check out one of his vintage um, events as well as also his other events available. Um, If you enjoy the show, definitely make sure to subscribe. If you want to uh, support, check out my brand, Deli Fresh Threads. Um, do some shopping, tell your friends. Thank you. Until next time, keep eating sandwiches and follow your passion. Thanks guys.